we're talking about Daniel 11, that culminates in the terrible atrocities committed in the era of Antiochus Epiphanes and the stress that put on the people of God. There was quite a bit of um, difference between them. Some uh, few were faithful, although persecuted, others defected. You know, when the world seems to be winning, it tests the faith and commitment of God's people. It's not so hard, maybe, to seem to serve God when things are going well, but this was one of the worst times that God's people have ever gone through. And so it was very difficult for them. And uh, he said in 35, some of those who have insight will fall in order to refine, purge, and make them pure until the end time, because it is still to come at the appointed time. Um, he had stressed that idea a lot as well, that it's at the appointed time. And I think the idea is that even though the, this is very turbulent, very difficult, very distressing, God has things under control. It all follows his timing. And that's where we've come to. We had mentioned some things about why I don't think we changed subject in 36. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to think we would. And so I think the burden of proof is on somebody who wants to change the subject. Uh, I gather Jeremy agrees with that, so you all learned the same thing in uh, uh, you know, your study, so that's uh, cool. Um, so let's look at uh, these next uh, few sections. Um, would somebody read 36 to 39? Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god, and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods, and he will prosper until the indignation is finished, and that which is decreed will be done. And he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers, or for the desire of wisdom, nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all. But instead he will honor a god of fortresses, a god whom his fathers did not know. He will honor him with gold, silver, costly stones, and treasures. And he will take action against the strongest of forces with the help of a foreign god. He will give great honor to those who acknowledge him, and he will cause them to rule over the many, and will parcel out land for a price. And we have this phrase again. It's the phrase we have seen already back in verse 3 with Alexander the Great and 16 with Antiochus the Great. Then the king will do as he pleases. You know, this is kind of like he doesn't bow to anybody else's authority or any god. He will do what he wants to do. That's not a good attitude. And look at what he does in verse 36. When he's going to do what he pleases, what does that involve him in doing? Magnifying himself. Yeah, exalting himself above every God. Every God. No matter who they are. And how does he treat the true God of heaven? Yeah, blasphemes they, uh, him. You know, he thinks he's above the Lord God of heaven. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished, for that which is decreed will be done. What you see, even when he's exalting himself over the true God, who, what decides when his career is over? God's predetermined. Yeah. 
the decree. <laughs> that means when God decides, his time's up. His time's up. No matter how much he does what he pleases, he'll die when God pleases. That's, that's the way that goes. Now look at how he did in this exalting himself above other gods. In verse 37, what gods did he not respect? Now, it's a, it's a historical fact that Antiochus really had contempt for the Syrian and the Egyptian gods, the gods of his ancestors and some of his relatives that had intermarried with the Egyptians. He preferred the Roman gods. Now, remember that he had lived as a captive, a war, prisoner of war, for some years in Rome. And so of the gods... He did not care for his the father's gods. He, he would prefer the Roman gods. But the truth of the matter is, in verse 38, what god did he really worship? Power. Yeah. The, the god of military power was the only religion he really respected. You know, uh, that he, he, he wanted power and command and authority that's what he worshipped. And he honored those who were loyal to him with leadership positions, with territories. I mean, what would you say Antiochus Epiphanes' main motivating factor was then, if you had to sum it up? Himself. Himself. <laughs> That's all he really cares about. He's all in to self-promotion. You know, pride should have been his middle name. <laughs> you know... He was, he was a man who did what he wanted. He didn't care about anybody else. It was all for his agenda and his glorification. But that only goes so far. Eventually, God pulls the plug on that. And that's what he's going to do. We've seen over and over again, until the decree, until the time, appointed time. And that, that keeps telling us, even while they're describing Antioch's career, even while they're describing how horrible he was, he keeps getting those subtle little things in there to tell us, but it's only going to last until God says, stop. Well, I come into questions through 39. Who is this again? Antioch's This is Okay. Uh, in verse 38, uh, New King James says that I'll honor God of fortresses. What do New American standards say? Honor God of fortresses. Okay. That just has to do with that militant idea. I think so. He, the God he got, uh, honors is, is power. Okay. You know that's that's yeah, what yeah. he really worships. Okay. You know, ultimately his own power. Oh, okay. Okay. And notice that really, I would say this section fits beautifully with what we've read from twenty-one on about Antiochus Epiphanes. <laughs> this is this is just what you're seeing in here. This just kind of sums up his character. Anything else on that section? Well, this last this last section of chapter 11, I think, sort of summarizes his wars. One of the things that people had a hard time with is this section. Here, yes. before we move on, yes. do you know what it's talking about in verse 37? Um, pay no attention to God, to his fathers, or to the one beloved by women, or the desire of women? Yeah, I'm not sure. That's why I didn't touch it. Okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> a lot of possibilities. Any other questions I don't know the answer to? <laughs> <clears throat> okay. 
Jeremy says something worthwhile on that one. Something what he thought. But what people have had a problem with 40 to 45 in that they have imagined that this depiction of Antioch's Epiphanies was just a chronological thing. I don't think it is. I don't really think it has been from the beginning. I think this is more thematic. And so I think we're to kind of this summary statement of all the wars of Antioch's Epiphanies. I think that's what you've got. Not that this happens after all the other things he said. If that were true, this would be a problem. But I don't see anything that means that it has to be like that. So, 40 to 45. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a rolling, with chariots, horsemen, and with many ships. And he shall enter the countries, overwhelm them, and pass through. He shall also enter the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape from his hand, Edom, Moab, and the prominent prominent people of Ammon. He shall stretch out his hand against against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. Also the Libyans and Ethiopians shall follow at his heels. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go out with with great fury to destroy and annihilate many. And he shall plant the tents of his palace between the seas and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end, and no one will help him. Okay, so what uh, what people, what kingdoms does Antiochus Epiphanes fight against? South. Which would be the king of Egypt. Egypt. Where else? The beautiful land. And the beautiful land means Palestine. Yeah, Israel. What countries would he not dominate? <laughs> That's right. They were not conquered by Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, but all, you know, Egypt and the surrounding countries were, and then he was forced to withdraw, probably because of rumors from Parthia and Armenia. And uh, he again emphasizes the wrath he has how he just raged against his enemies. In verse 45, he pitched the, his, the tents between the seas and the holy mountain. Now, what seas would he have pitched his tent between? What seas do you usually think of as being the key seas in the Old Testament? Galilee and the, and the Great Sea. Galilee and the Dead Sea and the Mediterranean. Yeah. Which of those, out of those three, which are the two that we'll probably be talking about? Galilee and the Dead Sea? No. I don't think so. Uh, Galilee and the Great Sea. Dead Sea and the Mediterranean. I think so. (laughs) The Dead Sea was a lot bigger than the Sea of Galilee. And the Mediterranean, obviously, was the major sea there. So probably he pitches his tent in between the Mediterranean and the Dead Sea right smack in the middle of Israel. Remember, Jerusalem was basically parallel to the top of the Dead Sea. In fact, if you ever want to find Jerusalem on a map, go up to the top of the Dead Sea and then work your way to the left a little bit. That's a good way to even find Jerusalem. So, so that, it's probably just saying, you know, he plops right down there in the middle of Palestine. 
And he did. And that, of course, is the most serious thing for our purposes that Antioch's Epiphanes did. I don't know if you were historian, if you would have said that what he did in Israel were the most important things of his kingdom. But we're looking at this from the standpoint of the people of God. Daniel's writing for the Jews to give them comfort and reassurance that things were going to turn out all right, even though they got an extra king right there uh, committing all these atrocities in their midst. But look at what it says. The end of verse 45, yet he will come to his end and no one will help him. He was not unstoppable. And God was going to bring him to his grave. And he wasn't going to have anybody who'd help him. Who'd ever help a guy like this anyway? You know, if you thought he was a goner, you sure wouldn't want to help him out. All right, comments or questions on chapter 11? All right, chapter 12, uh, verses 1 to 4. 